Hi, welcome to On This Day in Tudor History with me, Claire Ridgway, author of On This Day in Tudor History. Now, where am I taking you back to today? Well, I'm actually taking you back to the reign of King Henry VIII, but to a man who was prominent in Elizabeth's reign. For On This Day in Tudor History, the Feast of Childermas, the 28th of December, 1510, lawyer, administrator and Lord Keeper of the Great Seal in Elizabeth's reign, Sir Nicholas Bacon, was born. Bacon was the father of the famous philosopher, statesman, scientist and author Sir Francis Bacon. But let me tell you a bit more about Nicholas. Sir Nicholas Bacon was probably born at Drinkston in Suffolk and was the second son of Robert Bacon, yeoman and sheep reeve, chief shepherd, and his wife Isabel Cage. Bacon was educated at Bury St Edmunds Grammar School and then Corpus Christi College, Cambridge, where he met men like Matthew Parker, the future Archbishop of Canterbury, and also future Protestant martyr Thomas Dusgate. By 1532, Nicholas had been admitted to Gray's Inn, one of London's inns of the court, and in the same year he became a barrister. By 1538, Bacon was serving in the Court of Augmentations, the court that had been set up to deal with monastic property and revenue confiscated during the dissolution of the monasteries. By 1540, he was serving as the solicitor of the Augmentations. Bacon benefited from the dissolution of the monasteries by being granted former monastic properties as rewards and also buying dissolved monasteries and land, particularly in and around Suffolk. In 1540, Bacon married Jane Fernley, daughter of a yeoman from Suffolk. The couple went on to have six surviving children. Jane's sister was married to Thomas Gresham, the well-known financier and merchant who founded the Royal Exchange. By 1542, Bacon was serving as a Member of Parliament for Westmoreland, then in 1545 for Dartmouth. In 1546, Bacon became attorney to the Court of Wards and Liveries, a position which fit with his interest in education for the young. Sadly, Jane died in 1552, and just a few months later, Bacon married Anne Cook, daughter of scholar Sir Anthony Cook, and sister of Catherine Killigrew, the lady I talked about yesterday, and also sister of Mildred Sissel and Elizabeth Russell. The couple had two sons, Anthony and Francis. In 1560, Bacon purchased the manor of Gorenbury in Hertfordshire and built a mansion on the site. In 1561, he wrote a paper, Articles Devised for the Bringing Up and of the Queen's Majesty's Wards, and he made sure that all five of his sons were well-educated. He also founded several grammar schools, donated books to Cambridge, and established scholarships. In the summer of 1553, during the succession crisis, Bacon's wife, who'd been in Mary's service, pledged her allegiance to Mary I, and although they were Protestants, Anne's husband and her brother-in-law, William Sissel, were able to make their peace with the Catholic Queen. Anne Bacon continued in Mary's service as a gentlewoman of the Privy Chamber, despite her and her husband's Protestant faith. Bacon survived Mary's reign by focusing on his duties at the Court of Wards and Gray's Inn. But things changed for the better when Elizabeth came to the throne in November 1558. The new Queen sought Bacon's advice on forming her government, 
and he was able to help her persuade his friend Matthew Parker to serve as her Archbishop at Canterbury, even though Parker didn't want to. In December 1558, Elizabeth knighted Bacon, made him Privy Councillor and Lord Keeper of the Great Seal, which was Lord Chancellor in all but name. In that role, he opened the Queen's first Parliament in 1559, giving an opening speech in which he called for moderation and tolerance with regards to religion. In 1563, he incurred Elizabeth's wrath after helping John Hales to gather information and opinion on the case for Lady Catherine Grey being Elizabeth's closest heir to the throne. Hales published a declaration of the succession of the Crown Imperial of England and Bacon was temporarily banished from court and from the Privy Council. But thanks to the help of his brother-in-law, Cecil, he managed to get back into favour in 1565. In 1568, the Queen appointed Bacon to preside over the Westminster Conference, looking into whether Mary, Queen of Scots, was involved in the murder of her second husband, Lord Darnley. In 1569, he was chosen to investigate the rising of the North and those involved. And then in 1570, he presided over the York House Conference, which was about Mary, Queen of Scots. He was against releasing the imprisoned Scottish Queen. Bacon was a staunch Protestant, and in 1568 he was described by the Spanish ambassador as one of the most pernicious heretics in Europe, and a tract published abroad called A Treatise of Treasons Against Queen Elizabeth and the Crown of England attacked him and his colleague and brother-in-law, William Cecil. Bacon and his wife Anne harboured Puritans at their manor of Gorhambury, and Matthew Parker reprimanded him for being lenient towards Puritans but not Catholics, and for maintaining a preacher who encouraged prophesying. In 1577, Bacon played host to the Queen on her four-day visit to Gorhambury. Bacon died in London on the 20th of February 1579, probably from pneumonia, and was laid to rest at St Paul's. In his will, he left £200 for the building of a new chapel at Corpus Christi. As well as being a loyal crown servant, Bacon was a patron to writers and scientists, a keen builder, a keen humanist and student of classical literature and a man who assembled a fine library. He was also a poet and a real family man, something which is evident in his letters and a poem that he wrote for his wife Anne when she was ill. Tomorrow, I'll be talking about a Tudor Earl, who was Elizabeth I's champion. Do make sure you're subscribed, click there, and that you hit the bell so you don't miss finding out all about him. The 28th of December is also Childermas, or Holy Innocence Day, an important part of the 12 days of Christmas in Tudor times. In last year's video, I explained the origin of this feast day and how it was commemorated in the Tudor period. I'll share a link to that video with you in the description. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.